Thanks to everybody who supported the show this week via Patreon, including Dan Lane, Alistair Harding, Ian Wilkinson, Matt Lacey, Tim Edwards, Ilya Coelia, Roland Robertson, Jamie Holland. If you'd like to support the show from $1 per episode, go to 361podcast.com slash support. So I was going to get some popcorn, and then I thought, no, I won't. Because you want to upset Mark more than we have previously. <laughs> I do have my crisps, however. I shall just... Oh, for pity's sake. Oh. I'm putting the bag away. Right. right. That's lucky, because otherwise I was going to put the bag somewhere the sun don't shine. What? What happened to this man? <laughs> Fighty Rafe is still my favourite one. Goodness me. Mask has come off now, hasn't it? I tell you. More of that. We're going to have a great <laughs> podcast. Yeah, zip it, Ewan. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ben Smith. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This is Season 18, Episode 2, and this week we're talking about my home network adventures, how we're self-improving ourselves during lockdown, and the new iPad Magic Keyboard. Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Rafe Blanford. Yeah, I was, I was letting him go first. You were looking actually surprisingly well quaffed, considering most of the people I speak to look like a shambles now. We're all working at home. Ewan's in just in a t-shirt, but Rafe Blanford there rocking the Steve Jobs look. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm sitting in the same chair at the same desk in the same flat as last week. Haven't really moved. It's great. You darkened your hair, Blanford. Oh, do you think he's dying it? It does look a little bit darker than... Either that or he's invested in better lighting. He's yeah. read all those um, how to do good Zoom calls and he's got proper lighting. He's got a light stuff. coming at him. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. It would yeah. actually be my secrets. I haven't turned the lights on. <laughs> you do have a very good complexion today as well, Blanford. Can you come a little bit closer so we can see? You're looking very good, man. Have you got that make me look good thing turned on? Does Skype have that? No. Okay. Not moving at all agrees with Ray Blanford. You're McLeod, on the other hand. You, what are you saying? <laughs> the rest of us. <laughs> Hello, how are you doing? You're good. Uh, how's Oman? Very good, thank you. It's uh, 31 degrees at the moment, at present. It's just wonderful. I was speaking to my colleagues today, and I think they still do reckon I'm somewhat crazy, I think, because it's just really nice. Every morning you come out, blue sky. It is getting hotter and hotter, but it's just really nice. And I actually did a town hall today with my colleagues, and I showed them a photo of me with my Helsinki jacket on, with a big furry thing, snow everywhere. And, uh, and just said, this, this is why I am really enjoying the heat. I got into the car and it was 41 degrees <laughs> the other day, just because it was, the sun's been beating down on the car. It was really nice. Yeah, because then you switch the air conditioning on, and then you know, a few minutes later, it's down to 18 again. Just really nice. So some important details there, somewhat crazy. So what I'm hearing is your colleagues still don't know you that well. <laughs> well, it's, it's only been a few months, Blanford. Thanks for that. I'm sure you'll be able to improve that position one way or the other. Well, I just, I, I, I'm just explaining because they're saying it's going to get a lot hotter. And I said, well, okay, but I am enjoying it. Rafe, I was just thinking that if we keep recording these at about sort of one every week or fortnight, we're about probably, what, 10 to 15 weeks before we get to the end of this season. And in 15 weeks, we should go, hey, Ewan, what's it like going outside? And go, oh, it's so hot. It's a million degrees. <laughs> <laughs> This pleasant spring will quickly turn into the hottest summer ever. This is what they're telling me anyway, yeah. 
I was in uh, Dubai at the height of the summer and I basically ran from air-conditioned vehicle to air-conditioned building. And in the intervening time, it looked like somebody throwing a bucket of water over me. (laughs) We're in the warmest April on record, I think, here in the UK. I I was saying before we started recording, you and I haven't worn anything but shorts for a week. This this whole not going to work, staying home lark is uh, is fantastic. Mm. So. And this is when you and I are very grateful that Skype is in landscape and not portrait for this particular camera mode. <laughs> yes. Stand up and give you a scare. No, you're all right. I washed the car. I washed my own car. We're wearing shorts and sandals. I went outside and washed the car. The child was baffled. He said, Daddy. What are you doing? We can't bring it to the men down the road with the special washers. No, we can do it ourselves. Are you sure, Daddy? Do you know how to? <laughs> yeah, I've got, I got the sponges and everything. So yeah, it's a, a strange old time. Also, I've discovered that I'm um, I'm not a homeschooler. So obviously, we're homeschooling the child mm. at the moment, and uh, yes, I'm not performing well at that. But I had a moment of tech proudness, and Rafe Blanford will understand this better. I thought he was being objectionable because we were having a grumpy five minutes, and he was saying to me, "Daddy, when you count up to ten, there are eleven numbers." And I think, oh, here we go. Are you sure? And he's like, yeah, because you have to start from zero. I was like, yes, we've bred a computer scientist. Very impressive. <laughs> Brilliant. Mm. Five years old and understands that there are 11 numbers in the count up to 10. Zero is a number, indeed. Exactly. I, yes. I'm busy signing him up for all kind of space camps and, you know, code camps. <laughs> this kind of stuff now. <laughs> right then. Any news with you two? I, um, have you gone anywhere fun? Have I gone anywhere fun? <laughs> wow, Ben. Like, no, no. No, not really. What I have been trying to do is to buy a Logitech MX keyboard after your recommendation. That's the way the smart money goes, Hugh McLeod. Yes. Now, unfortunately, it seems everyone else on the planet has done that as well. The only one I could find was in Curry's PC World equivalent, and I ordered it, and then I got right to the end, and the system said, sorry, you just can't have it, which is quite annoying. Then I found one on eBay, Wow! but it was used. Yeah. So it's £99 new, which I, in the last podcast, said I thought that was quite a lot of money. But, you know, I appreciate your analysis, Ben. Do Amazon not have them? Not in stock. Ah. No one's got them in stock because people have gone and bought them, it seems. There's been a run on Logitech MX Master keyboards. The mice I could get. Well, that validates my opinion. So I've got, yeah, I've got a mouse. Where did I get the mouse? I got the mouse from Argos, and then that's being delivered. I've got the keyboard directly from Logitech. So there we go. I'll have it in a few weeks, I think. If you want to throw money at the problem, and so therefore I'm only speaking to you and not Rafe Blanford, even you, I think, will balk at this. The second best option would be to get the Logitech Craft keyboard, which is like the MX keys, but it has this pointless dial that can be a volume controller or it can be a zoom thing or something. It's like one of these kind of configurable, turnable things. And that costs 180 quid. But the keyboard is the same nice keyboard. I don't think it's in any way good value for money. Is it in stock? Well, who knows? I'm just busy scrolling through Amazon here to see if Amazon UK have these keyboards in stock. No, no, no but... we get them from the Amazon UK. They don't have them in stock. Yeah, temporarily out of stock. Thank there you. We go. Well, when you can get one, they're amazing. Actually, it was funny. There's um, a bit of commentary I read during the week that said, who would have thought that under the pressure of a pandemic, the things we would run out of would be canned vegetables and USB webcams. Because <laughs> there's also been a run on webcams as well. Oh, so, uh, yeah, because everyone's working from home now. But yeah, I still recommend it. Wait, save your money. Oh, yeah. And also, also, I've got a Roost. <gasps> They're good, aren't they? Roost keyboard stand. Well, no, it hasn't arrived yet. It's been delivered, but I haven't, it hasn't arrived yet. I've got one in front of me now, and they're great. Again, a little pricey, but worth paying for because it will last and do the job. 
Thank you for the recommendation. Okay, we should move on and uh, we, well, we should start talking about new toys because uh, we don't do new. Wait a minute, has Blanford got nothing? Isn't that, you've got nothing to say today? No. Rafe Blanford didn't register any follow-up before. Blanford, do you got any, any follow-up? No. no have, you, have you done anything? <laughs> of, of anything of note? You've got nothing to say, Blanford. Can you see anything interesting from your window? There's a nice telegraph pole out there. Uh, <laughs> let's not get on that. Sorry, okay, fine, we move on. He's got nothing. Let's go. I'm trying to remember the context here, but I was teasing Rafe on Twitter the other day and he responded that he was looking forward to going back outside and seeing some nice telegraph poles mm, or some mm. way markers or whatever it was you said, Rafe. Trig points. Yeah. Trig points. And I noticed that all your tweets were immediately favorited by UK trig point man or something <laughs> like that. So it's like <laughs> automated search. Yeah. So you, you're a trig point influencer now, Rafe Blanford. Man of the people. We should just point <laughs> out that telegraph pole appreciation is actually a thing and Blanford are, are you still a member of it of course no I can't quite remember because this was a, a load of seasons ago but is it actually real yeah I've got my um my mug is sitting on the window that's it didn't I bought that right you did yeah okay cool if you're new to the podcast yes Rafe has history with telegraph poles but I've never been able to work out if the telegraph pole appreciation society was a real thing or just a very elaborate spoof that got out of hand but I bought him a mug though He's got the mug. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah it certainly has e-commerce capability, whichever one of it is. Okay, let's move on. Let's chat. We were saying last week we talked about our home offices and we were talking about how, well, as you've said, you and everybody's setting up their home office mm. now because you've got to work at home. And if you're going to work at home, a lot of the compromises that you normally would put up with of just, you know, a laptop on a table or sitting on a sofa and working in your lap, they can't last because that's not a comfortable way to work for an extended period of time. And not all of us, like Rafe Blanford, have extended wings of our houses dedicated to, you know, sort of elaborate uh, conference suites and those sorts of things. Mm. So we were talking about setting it up and I just wanted to talk to you about networking because I have been having a problem which I've solved and I'm very pleased with myself and I'd like to use the podcast as an opportunity to boast about how clever I am. Are you speaking to us on whatever it is now? Yes, I am. So here's a little bit of backstory, okay? So I said last season that I invested fairly heavily in Ubiquity Network Kit. Love Ubiquity stuff. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are demanding enough user, like a sort of a, a prosumer or, or a, you know, kind of a fairly demanding user, and you've got enough tech savvy to set it up. And it's a great kind of a lot of enterprise type features, but at an accessible cost for home consumers. And we put wireless access points in the walls. They actually screw in and replace some um, Ethernet points. You did that yourself, didn't you? I did that myself. Mm-hmm. I got a screwdriver out, you and I know you were horrified. I didn't I have was, to get anybody to do it for yeah. me. And um, they've got loads of cool switches and network controls and that kind of stuff. Fantastic. Brilliant. Lovely. Now, here we are, and we are now turning one of our bedrooms into an office, unplanned, after all of the changes. And the only one that is appropriate to turn into an office has terrible Wi-Fi signal because it's as far away from the two access points that we put into the house as you can get. And it doesn't have any Ethernet cabling because our house is fairly modern. Some of the other rooms do have Ethernet cabling. So I had a quick look at power line adapters, which of course is the immediate Mm -hmm. thing you say, you want to get some networking in there, power line adapters. Unfortunately, our electrical supply in the house is too new and the power line adapters won't work reliably in the type of power supply that we've got. Oh. Different circuits in the house, you know, it works within that one circuit or another, but won't cross over. Mm. So- Problem. Could put up with dodgy Wi-Fi, but if you're going to do loads and loads of video calling, 
yeah, you um, can. Like, you know, yeah. as we are doing now, mm. um, it's not just a case of having a slightly slow connection because that latency is really annoying. It's really distracting when you're talking to people. And so I was thinking, well, what can I do? I ripped the carpet up. I was about to take the floorboards up and to start to run Ethernet, you know, across the house. I was about to start to, and it all just got out of hand and it was going to be a really big job and it was going to involve drilling holes in joists and what was a fairly major thing of I'd like to run some Ethernet from downstairs to upstairs. From A to B, yeah. Yeah, yeah I just need to have a reliable internet connection. And actually, even if I can get the Wi-Fi a bit better, you know, we're rural, but mm. there's a lot. Of, everybody's got a Wi-Fi connection around here. Every so often it glitches. I just want a wired connection. So messing about with this for a long time, spending hours trying to think about how could I run some cabling without it being too much of a pain, and finally came up with a solution. And I kind of wish I could claim that I'd invented some clever solution, but all I've really done is stumbled across a bit of kit and used it for the purpose it was intended. And that is a Mocha adapter. Okay. What is that? Are you familiar with Mocha? No. M-O-C-A. Rafe Blanford is, surely. Oh, don't say yes. Come on. You don't have a clue either. No. I was thinking like sticking coffee in your network is not going to be a good way to go, but no, absolutely. Good. I'm pleased he doesn't know you. Right, go on. Go on. What is it? Multiple online cable adapter. Mm, sort of. Ooh. <laughs> I can't remember what the, the acronym stands for. Multimedia? Yeah. Ooh. Something like that. Okay. Anyways, it's mostly used in the States where a lot of the cable modems that come into the house, they're situated somewhere inconvenient for having your internet. And so these cable modems have something called mocker, which means that they come into the house, you have your cable modem, and then out of the cable modem runs more cable, coaxial, that kind of copper oh. coaxial cable that you use for cable TV or satellite TV here in the UK. And then you can run it somewhere else and plug that into a mocker adapter. What mocker does is it runs Ethernet connection over coaxial cable. And what it really means is that you can take TV wiring that you've got in your house and you can use it to run Ethernet over. Now, in the UK, our ISPs don't give us modems with mocker built in because we don't have that kind of market we don't have that don't need it so what i've managed to find is somebody who's made both ends of the cable connection if you see what i mean right so i don't need to have it built into my modem i've bought two small gizmos and one sits downstairs where my satellite tv point comes into the house yes and the other one is sitting about five yards behind me behind my computer and what it's meant is that the bedroom I would like to have in my home office had a Sky TV point in it, had a satellite ah, TV point in it. Right. So it had the wires coming out of the... Uh, it already had a TV. Because, I mean, yeah. again, it will, vary, it will vary internationally and people outside the UK possibly won't recognise this, but a lot of modern houses in the UK built in the last 10 years would have a TV point in every room mm. but wouldn't have Ethernet. Mm. And so what I've done is in the cupboard downstairs, I've taken the cable out of the sky supply so it doesn't attach to the roof satellite dish anymore and i've plugged it into the mocker adapter that goes into my internet connection and at the other end up in the bedroom i've plugged mm-hmm. in another adapter that presents ethernet and it's fantastic and so now wow. this bit of wire that wasn't being used previously that you know is exactly where i want it to be in the room is now giving me it's only 100 megabit but actually that's amazing though that's fine i mean i would love it to be gigabit but actually you know I'll cope. (laughs) For 60 quid, I can now run an Ethernet connection into any room of the house because I've got those Sky TV points. And it's absolutely fantastic. I'm so pleased. And 
for bonus points, for eye-rolling bonus points, yes. it also supplies power over Ethernet. Ooh. Ah. So the device itself is powered by power over Ethernet. So that means my clever ubiquity switches power it. And upstairs in the bedroom here, I've got a switch up here as well. That's being powered by power over Ethernet. Nice. So the adapter doesn't just give you data. It also gives you power if you want to use it. And of course, all the cool kids are using power over Ethernet to get rid of all of those adapters. Wow. So I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a little bit of a niche thing. How do you get, where do you buy it? Amazon. Oh, Amazon. Okay, let's I'm just have a little look. Yeah. I'll tell you what this was intended for. This is a retrofit product that lets people who used to have old-fashioned CCTV cameras but are now replacing them with IP cameras use the same cabling. Oh. Because, of course, it's that coaxial cable. And, and obviously, if you're putting up new IP cameras in your building or your home or your office, you don't want to run new cables if you can avoid it. So this adapter just sits on either end of the old coaxial cable, and it's fantastic. It could be Ethernet over network extender kit. Rock solid. IP to coax converter, RJ45. To- That's the one, yeah. Okay. So it's absolutely rock solid, 100 megabit, and like I say, for the sake of 60 quid, it saved me either several days of DIY or hiring an electrician to come in and drill holes in large chunks of the house, mm. you know, just to get Ethernet into the bedroom. So like I say, if you're, if you're sitting at home, a bit frustrated with the ability to get Ethernet around your house, think about that if you've got Sky TV points. These are fantastic. I've now actually gone and bought a second one because you and you and I have both got Arlo security cameras. Indeed. And I had to move my Arlo base station so that it could get good coverage of the cameras. The signal was dropping out because the base station was too far away from the camera, so I moved it. And I had to put it on a little Wi-Fi bridge because that was the only way I could get an internet connection. But actually, the place I put it was right next to a Sky TV point in our house. So, bosh, wired in. Uh Aha. Really very pleased with myself. And like I say, for a small amount of money, have solved a problem. I'll put it it in the show notes. Niche requirement. Do that. It's really interesting, that. Really interesting. But if Wi-Fi won't work for you, and if Powerline isn't applicable in your situation, have a think about that. It's really good. Really fantastic. And it will work over long distances. You are not going to have coaxial runs in your house that are too long for this to work. I mean, this is designed to work over CCTV runs that are hundreds of metres long at a time. Mm. So there you go. Wow. Brave Blanford just nodding, thinking, I could have people drill holes in any bit of the Blanford estate I wanted. No, it's a smart solution. And I've always been a bit frustrated with Powerline because you don't always get the best speeds, but actually using cabling that's already in the house and that seems to be quite commonplace in things that are maybe 10 to 20 years old because it was the thing yes. to have. Even in modern builds, like Cat 6 is not a thing that seems to be that commonplace. So nice solution. It is crazy because when they built our house eight years ago, they obviously understood that you need internet connection because hmm. we had ethernet connections into the office. I'm doing my quote bunny ears here now because it's a playroom, but you know they, they had an ethernet connection there because that's where you did work and you needed to plug in your proper computer. But obviously they hadn't realised that you'd need it for the telly and the upstairs office exactly. and the playroom yeah, and everywhere, the Apple TV. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And yet we've got every single room in this house and some of the larger rooms have two, have a sky point because, you know, the selling point was you could have TVs wherever you want. Mm, that was mm. a, you know, that was a design consideration. So micro adapters, get them. If you're in the US, you might try and buy micro adapters and only get the sort of the receiving end because a lot of the products I found and the reason I dismissed it early on was because the US products will assume that you have Mocker built into your router so that you don't need both ends of the wire, as it were. And that's why you need that kind of product built for the CCTV market where that assumption doesn't hold true. Well, thank you, Shern. Okay, we should move on. I think I've done enough talking for now. 
So we should move on to our human interest story. We were going to talk about during lockdown, how have you done self-improvement? Mm. We're going to talk about how have you improved ourselves because Blanford, he's just gleaming. Just blossoms. This staying inside really agrees with Rafe Lampard. I know, he looks really good. Absolutely. Annoyingly so, Blanford. Are you doing Joe Wicks? <gasps> Do you know who Joe Wicks is? Of course he does. He works in digital. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. In our house, it's Jumpstart Johnny. Oh, okay. So that's like Joe Wicks for the under fives. But Blanford, are you doing any physical exercise to a YouTube video? No. Are you doing any physical exercise? Yes. He's got his old Rosemary Connolly. Uh, oh He's gone into binary. Okay, right. What are you doing? Physically. Tell us about your self-improvement regime, Rafe Blanford. Yeah. Um, I would like to say that I'm doing lots of self-improvement in this period of time where I have extra time, but it doesn't seem to work quite like that. I've been doing a lot more reading on my Kindle, and I actually recently upgraded to the Oasis, which is sort of the top of the line model. And it has been very nice because it's thin. It's really easy to cut around with you. It sort of has a night mode from so room you to can room. change the kind of the color of the screen essentially and at night time that means you get less of the glare less headaches and the kind of frequency of update has improved again the resolution and all of those things that kind of are nice to have and it just all adds up and having been doing quite a bit of reading on it recently definite thumbs up from me can we just quick sidebar Rafe Blanford you strike me as the kind of guy who would be worried about digital rights management and that kind of stuff. Are you loading your own books onto this Kindle or are you buying them from Amazon? I'm mostly buying them from Amazon because for the fiction books in particular, I tend to kind of read them once and then I'm kind of okay with them going into the vault. Yeah, it's a risk I'm happy with. For some of the non-fiction or the reference books, I tend to buy a physical copy and sometimes we'll buy a digital copy as well, which still annoys me that I have to do that. And that's for things that you kind of want to refer to and that can be kind of work, hobby-related stuff. But for, you know, whether that's the latest Bernard Cornwall or whichever book you're reading, I've kind of made peace with the fact that it's locked up inside Amazon. And part of that's on the basis I don't think Amazon's going anywhere. So in the timescale, I would probably keep a book around five to ten years versus passing it on to someone else. I'm kind of okay with that. I still do buy a lot of paperbacks because of the ease of being able to pass them on to someone else. And it's one of the things I really enjoy doing. Sharing a book with someone is kind of one of my favorite things. But during this lockdown period, kind of getting new books on demand as quickly as you like has definitely been a boon. Ewan, has he ever shared a book with you? I was just about to ask. No, no, never shared a book with me. He has never, no. ever done that. And I have known this gentleman for quite- It's one of his favorite things, Ewan. One of his favorite. Thanks for that. Thanks a lot, man. How many years have we been friends now? 15, 20, 150? It's a lot of years. It's one of his most favourite things and you haven't shared it. Okay, well, thanks for that. Anyway, when you say Bernard Cornwall, what kind of books are you reading? A whole variety of things. I've been reading on how to work remotely better and that kind of thing. Yes, yes, come on. And then topics on innovation, but I also quite like space opera, so I have one of those going. I've been reading the third one in the Wolf Hall trilogy. Oh, is that good? Yes, the Hilary Mantel one. I mean, Hilary Mantel. It's quite heavy going. I mean, it's a big book, but I think it's brilliant. It's dense text, isn't it? But I find it quite rewarding, yeah. And then going back and reading some sort of translated from other languages. I've been trying to read some of those recently because it's kind of, different perspective on literature so i've been enjoying those as well space opera though like you mean star wars it's that kind of yeah i would call it trashy sci-fi go on give us some titles Uh, i recently read the ben bova the solar tour series that he goes through Mm, 
Okay. But if you've got any recommendations, happy to hear them. Mm. So that's my uh, self-improvement. I guess I might as well open myself up to Ben and you and Mockery. The other thing I've been doing in lockdown is tapestry because I find it very relaxing and therapeutic when I've had a long day to sit down on the sofa because I don't want to look at the screen anymore and I'm sort of doing half stitch rather than cross stitch onto and making a cushion. Ben, don't say anything. This is how the Blanfords uh, capture their family history as well, you and you should understand that ever since 1066, they've had a Indeed. tapestry uh, you know, on standby to do a sort of a flash image of you know family moments and this kind of stuff. So start with a cushion and, and then do a whole room. I can see you're having to really work hard to resist the temptation here, Ben, but I- That must be quite rewarding, Blanford. I, I, uh, I, can, I can imagine- Sorry, Ewan, I really appreciate your fortitude in these circumstances. Well, you see, the thing is, if I upset you, you'll do a cross stitch. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> okay. It's great. It looks good. It looks like the Rafe did show us the tapestry and it's, uh, it's very impressive. Where can I ask is the needle? It's in the canvas. Okay. It's canvas. Game. He's got all the technical terms. In the canvas. Have you done that for a while? How did you get started in that? I used to do it a lot when I was younger. My grandmother taught me. Okay. Because I did sewing at school. Did you do sewing, Ben? No, I don't think I did. What? In fact, I, I, I'm terrible at that. I went to an actual school. Yeah. <laughs> actual school. I went to a standard comprehensive and you had to learn sewing and cooking. I think I had to glue some pieces of plastic together and make something, but I, don't, I think that's as close to craft. Oh, as come I- on. So did neither of you learn sewing at school? No. I have a feeling that Ben has actually done some more serious uh, self-improvement, so I want to hear about what he's been up to. Well, I've been running around. I'm not really an exercising kind of a person. And I know, no, 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 stop, stop. I know. All right, no, don't stop. <laughs> I know that'll be hard for those of you who've known me for a long time to believe, but I've decided it's time to run around a bit because it was time to do some exercise. I'm an old man who doesn't do any exercise and I needed to. to uh, You're amongst friends, yes. Fewer cakes and beers and more moving around. Yes. So I'm not a massive fan and I've done it before. You were just before we started recording you and you were laughing saying the last time I did any serious exercise was before the wedding <laughs> many, many years ago. And that was a mixed bag, but actually my recommendation, and I've been really surprised at this because I, like, I just don't enjoy running. Well, yeah, I just don't enjoy physical exercise, but actually I'm beginning to. And my two recommendations, one was run around outside. And I mean, that's difficult now, but I'm lucky enough that I can go and do my hours exercise outside and we've got some, you know, some pleasant places to be. And it wasn't so much that the setting was nice, but the fact that actually you felt like you were going somewhere. I found running on a treadmill really monotonous and so monotonous that you watch the clock and then that kind of stuff. Oh. And actually I got a couch to 5k app. Ah, I wondered if you did that. Okay. Having somebody set a program really surprised me what a difference it made because wow. I don't know if the app I'm using is particularly good, but it's always asked me to do just about what I can manage. Like all my associations of exercise and sport are miserable because, you know, not being able to do what everybody else did, not achieving, you know, what was asked of you, not being Mm -hmm. the fastest or the fittest or the strongest or any of that kind of stuff. So I've done it and it's great because like it starts off with just doing kind of run for a minute, walk for a minute, run for a minute, walk for a minute. And here I am five weeks later and I went out this morning and ran continuously for 25 minutes, which is something that I never believed I could do a few weeks ago. Wow. I mean, like anybody who runs properly will laugh because 25 minutes is what 3k but when i started this i couldn't run for two minutes continuously without falling over and thinking i was gonna have a heart attack so you know it's worked and it's 
been just about fun enough that I've wanted to go back the next day and the next day. And I've been using a bit of an app to like mm, gamify mm. it. Like, you know, how many days is it since you did your last yeah. run and all this kind of stuff. Mm. So it's been really good and I'm starting to enjoy it. And also, because it tells me what to do, I do it. I feel like I've got some success and I don't feel awful afterwards. I think I can imagine doing it before a day at work. Like I think I could include it in normal life. No, you can. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that if you hadn't had this opportunity, you probably wouldn't have done it? No, I mean, it's one of those things that it's like, well, you, that we've all got that list of things that you should probably do in the back of your head. You know, I should probably yeah. clean out the cupboard or I should probably, you know, tidy out that bit of the house or I should mm. probably go and clean the bathroom. But not yet. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a million jobs more important than doing that, you know, but actually it's been good. And like I say, doing it with an app has been a thousand times different from just going out and kind of aimlessly kind of running around until it hurt and made me miserable, which was <laughs> my previous experience. So yeah, give it a go. Very cool. I'll link the app I'm using on the show notes, but there are lots of couch to 5k mm. apps out there. And um, like I say, yes. I, I don't think there's a right answer to be honest, because <laughs> it's like, oh, I should research which app to do. No, I should just get one that makes me move around That's a bit. Exactly. exactly. What about you, Ian? Well, that's interesting you say you didn't like the boring treadmill thing because I actually get a lot of value from that. I find it easier to run on the treadmill than um, in the open. I don't know where to run. And there's no car is going to run me over when I'm on a treadmill, ideally. For self-help, I use a thing called Blinkist. So have you come across Blinkist? I don't know that one. It's abridged books. It feels like it started off as kind of abridged business books, but it, it is all sorts of books and it's a really good way of filling 10 minutes. So instead of looking at the news and, and just scrolling through nonsense, what I do is just pick something on, on Blinkist. So I have a subscription, I think is about $89 a year. They've got all sorts of famous you know, business and, and normal books that they've just abridged into about 10 minutes. They call them blinks, so maybe eight blinks. And it's a useful way of engaging in a particular topic. So for example, last week I um, had a bit of time in the car and I used their audio. So Normally, you read these blinks, and they're really easy. Yeah. Great for the tube, for example, right? But they also have audio, so I used the audio in the car on the way to work when one could. And uh, I was listening to something about uh, a very famous Arabic historian. So, yeah, it, fantastic. Just pressed, yep, that one, go. Really interesting, really accessible, very straightforward, and it's done in about 10, 15 minutes. And then if, if you like it, you can go and do more. You know, you can buy the actual book. I was going to say, have you done a blink of a book that you already knew to see, like, how accurate you felt the summary was versus the actual no, that's content a, that's of the book. No, a good point. No, I haven't. I haven't done that. <laughs> you could be telling you anything. <laughs> well, yeah, but it, that doesn't really matter. Then the other thing I, I do is I use Headspace, uh, Headspace for meditation. That's really good. I really enjoy that. And that, that's also- <laughs> Keeps you calm. It does. It does. It's, it's, quite, it's quite cool. And then I also have a subscription to Masterclass. Have you come across Masterclass? Is this, so I, I see this advertised really heavily and I'm a very cynical person. And obviously I say like, you know, cook with Gordon Ramsay and, you know, learn how to do business from the bloke who run GE or, you know, I know. Uh, Bob Iger. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. You know. yeah no, it's, it is really good. I get a lot of value. 79 or $80 a year, I think it is. No, it's formulaic to an extent, of course. It's heavily produced, but that's the point. Yeah, it's very, very, very well produced. I got it because of Aaron Sorkin. The guy who wrote uh, West Wing, yep, and a few good men, because he he does his masterclass on there, and it's it's interspla- interplaced with um, interspaced or interplaced, interspersed, interspersed. That one, yeah. We've got all the words here on the podcast. Some of them are real words. Some of them are made up words. It's certainly yeah. oh, interspersed with. That's easy for you to say. Cuts from the uh, thank you from the movies, from the, the the show West Wing, and so on. 
and you know, he talks through his his techniques, his process, and then they work it through. I mean, it's, it's maybe an hour of content, and it's fascinating. And then uh, Hans Zimmer, the um, uh, what do you call him? Not the musician, the composer. Uh, composer. The Hans Zimmer masterclass is again fantastic, really good because he breaks down his style, and he, he's talking as though if you want to be a composer, and I think it's a really good gateway if you're interested in that particular topic. I thought I'm interested in Hans Zimmer's music and just watch these masterclass videos are fantastic. Really good. What's the best thing you've learned then? What's the most sort of applicable thing you've learned? I really enjoyed the, uh, the FBI hostage negotiator guy. <sighs> Absolutely astonishingly good. Really, really great observations and perspectives on just how, actually I've been using it with the children. Really useful. <laughs> It's been fantastic. <laughs> Come out with your hands raised and move slowly or I'm sending mummy in. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, it's using labelling. Oh, it's just a really good technique. But it is very, very good quality. They've really sat with these people. They always pick really good people, of course. The Ramsey stuff, he's done three, I think, now. Two or three. Right. I find it very, very useful. So do have a look at Masterclass. And I don't know if they've got a, like a free trial. You can see how very well produced the YouTube video adverts are. And that's how good the actual series are. I'm not sure I want to have a masterclass on FBI, like hostage negotiation, but I am curious. Like that would be a fun alternative to reading a book or, uh, you know, listening to a podcast. Yes, but it's, it's, you know, it's much better than, than just sitting and watching some drivel on YouTube, right? Yeah. And they've produced it properly. It's very well done. The music, the staging, everything is very accessible and really good quality. I thoroughly appreciate it. And I just, it's really great when they add more people to it. They do all sorts of really great people doing the masterclass, everyone from actors, actresses, directors, and so on. But I, I just particularly like the Aaron Sorkin, the Hans Zimmer, the Armin Van Buren, the, the trans electronic dance guy. He's got one. Do you subscribe directly or is it part of a, is it packaged up with like, I don't know, LinkedIn or something? No, I, I just, when I bought it a couple of years ago, I got it for Aaron Sorkin and it was $79 for just his masterclass. Ooh. And then they've gone, right, do you know what? It's just 79 for everything. Subscription. Yeah, it's just everything. Yeah. All in. So they, they've got the astronaut guy. I'm going to do the astronaut shortly. Then they've got the, um, that famous, uh, oh, go and have a look. There's loads and loads of cool people. We should probably have affiliate links for all this and make millions on the show notes, but we won't. But if you're interested, uh, check out the show notes and we'll, we'll stick yeah. some links in there. Hmm. Okay, we should move on. Last one, we don't do news on the podcast, but something has happened. I mean, by the time this comes out, it will be old news and there'll be a thousand hot takes. But I got my iPad Magic keyboard today and yes. it is magic. So does it actually turn the iPad into a laptop replacement? Because I think that's kind of the key question here. Describe it to us as well, right? Because this is the one with the trackpad. It's not just a keyboard. Show it to us. Come on, let's yeah. see. That'll be useful for the listeners. <laughs> this works well on an audio does, podcast, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. So oh. this is the one, and everyone talks about it. It's got the cantilever design, yeah. which lifts the iPad, well, depending on how you angle the screen, lifts the iPad a couple of centimetres up and hangs onto it with magnets. You're right, it's got a keyboard and a trackpad. It's different to the smart keyboards. You might remember that the iPad smart keyboards mm. had this kind of fabric over buttons and it didn't really feel like a proper yeah. keyboard. It was a, like a travel keyboard. And I mean, it was great for keeping the keys sealed and waterproof and everything. But this has proper pressy keys. And actually, it's got the nice feel of the old Apple keyboards, not the kind of the, the, the scissor keys, yeah. hard typing experience that's even on my MacBook Pro. The touchpad is multi-touch, so you do you know two-finger scrolling and three-finger wow. swipe up to go home. I bought it on a bit of a whim. So I've got the 12.9-inch one. I bought it on a bit of a whim, 
and I am really impressed. But I think the thing that makes the bigger difference is the mouse support. I'm doing my bunny ears quotes mm-hmm. here, mouse or um, trackpad support in iPad OS. So you don't have to keep on, because it's annoying when you're on a keyboard to have to then keep on touching, right? It's annoying to keep touching the screen, but obviously lots of people were using Bluetooth mice with iPads because it was an accessibility feature and you could sort of get a mouse to represent the finger. your finger, mm. as it were, for people who had accessibility needs and couldn't press the screen. But it was really clunky and it didn't work well. And I think what they've done is it's an amazingly good implementation of how to start with a touch interface and then add a mouse. Because if you think about it, everybody's going to say, oh, this looks like the Microsoft Surface, which is just a, a PC and a tablet form. Mm. And it's great. Like It's a good device. And, and lots of people correctly, you know, rightly love it. But what they did there was they tried to take Windows and make it work for touch. And that had a set of challenges because, you know, it was an interface and experience designed for, for mm. mouse pointers. This is the other way around. And it could have been just as clunky, but they've done a really amazing job. And the combination of the nice positioning, the layout, the touchpad, decent keyboard. I put it next to my MacBook Pro earlier. And the only thing I think that would make me pick up the MacBook will be the software, because I think this has sort of kicked the iPad into capable of being a laptop territory really easily. You know, the RAM, the speed, everything, it's really quick and fast. It's a great device. But the iPad OS apps are probably got a little bit of catching up to do in some quarters. That's where you might need it. But if you just want basic email productivity, that kind of stuff, the only downside, I think, is the price and maybe the weight. Right, okay. So 350 sterling. Oh, my gosh. I was about to say 249 or something crazy. 350 pounds. 350 pounds. How much does an iPad cost? A base iPad? More than that. Come on. Yeah, how much more? 399 it must be, the new iPads. And I can see Rafe busy Googling, but it sort of doesn't matter because your base iPad Pro is... Yes, but wait a minute, be- wait a minute. So you've, how much is the, the 12.9? What, what, what did you pay for it, roughly? 1,200? No, 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 less than that. I bought one used, so I don't know. Oh, right, yeah. But it's going to put you into the laptop price bracket. Yeah, and then some. Well, but I think my, my point is that here, actually, if it was just a keyboard for an iPad, if it was just, oh, like my iPad got 10% better, like it does mm-hmm. with the smart keyboard, I'd agree with you. Like it wouldn't be worth it, but this transforms the whole device. I mean, I've sat and worked on this this afternoon and typed emails and jumped backwards and forwards between apps. And it is just such a nice experience. And it took about 30 seconds before everything felt natural and smooth. And it's familiar because it's got lots of things that are familiar from the Mac, but it's better in so many ways as well. Right. Hold on a minute. Yeah. So I understand this. This is you know, Ben. He just has to recommend something. And I'll just buy it. Right. I'm, it's like I'm with you. Okay. Pavlovian viewing. I've got three of his uh, um, recommended Hoover thingies, the Robo thingies coming in. Oh yes, the Robo Rocks. Yeah. Now, the iPad. Yes. Right. Just a 10.2 inch Retina iPad. Right. Starting at. Go on. Three four nine. Three four nine. Yeah. So you can buy an iPad, right? Or you can buy a keyboard for your iPad. <laughs> Apple are very, very good. It's, it's, it's really impressive. It only works with the Pro devices, though. So you've got to look at it as a value add for the Pro devices. Uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't stick a £349 iPad on this. I'm not suggesting. I'm just saying that, you know. Just saying. When you're trying to validate this, I mean. Rafe, come on, back me up. 
It's interesting because people talk about the iPad and the iPhone as kind of singular things. And I think Apple's been pretty smart about that. They're really good. The iPhone SE, the sort of 2020 edition, has just been announced. And I think that's starting from £349, whereas you can pay, you know, £1,200 for the iPhone Pro 11 and more if you go for the, the Max version. And so this does the same thing to the iPad. It's kind of extending the range a little bit by stealth in that there are lots of entry points and price points. And what it does for me with this on the iPad is extends Apple properly into the transformer territory that has kind of been owned and defined by Microsoft with its Surface line, because now you're getting onto the kind of full keyboard. And yeah, I think there is a weight compromise that Ben kind of mentioned there, but that comes with having a really good keyboard and having a proper nice trackpad. So it weighs just over 700 grams, which is more than the iPad itself, but combined they weigh just fractionally less than a MacBook Pro. So when you pick it up, if you're going to use the package, basically it is now a laptop. But I would say that for some people and certain use cases, it will be a better laptop than a real laptop because the iPad OS is faster and quicker and safer for all manner of things. And I know loads of people who only have iPads as their computers. This will make them less second-class citizens as it trickles across the rest of the range. I'm with you on that. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. And also there's more of an overlap between the MacBook and the iPad and arguably you could say the iPad and the iPhone in some ways when you're talking about the Mac's version. But the point of that is that it's a bigger addressable market for Apple and more people are going to be able to find the device that's in the sweet spot for them. I do think there are people who as Ben said, kind of will go more iPad only, whereas they've kind of had the iPad in their travel bag as an extra that they use when they don't Mm. want to get out the full laptop. I can see more people going, I'm going to go on a business trip and just take my iPad. And that's interesting. Or as you say, go iPad only. I think the other thing that's worth stating, I mean, Ben mentioned it in terms of the way that the mouse or trackpad interface has been done. There's actually quite a big upgrade to iOS in general here, kind of outside Mm. of the... um, kind of 13 to 14 cycle or whatever you Mm. you want to talk about there. And it really has distinguished kind of iPad OS from iOS for the phone. And it's moving it much more towards some of the laptop or desktop-like experiences. And that's not just the split screen and stuff we've seen before and the default arrangement of the launcher, the dock and everything else that's coming in there. So it is a transformative bit of hardware. And that's why they're kind of £350 value for the right person is there. And let's be honest, like these price points are set by Apple because they would have thought very carefully about how many they can sell and what the margin will be on that and how that that will be an attachment point to taking the iPad further, driving usage and everything else. All the reviews I've seen have been pretty complimentary about it, which I think is pretty remarkable for an add-on for a tablet that in some cases is heavier than the tablet itself. That to me really speaks to the value of it. And so nice to see. I mean, Apple, yeah, leaving aside pricing, it's just very smart extension of the product line in a way that makes a lot of sense to me. Ewan, think about AirPods. Uh If you just described AirPods, you'd say, oh, rechargeable little pods, Bluetooth headphones, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you can get a £10 pair of headphones would do the same job. Right. Yeah. And like lots of people validly don't Mm. need them and can meet their needs with other cheaper devices. But the point with that product, and I think with this one, is that the sum of its parts is greater than the spec list. You know, the experience, the ease, the transformative nature. Like, I would only buy AirPods Pro now if I was looking for noise-cancelling earbuds. 
because they're so easy to use. The charging yeah. case is this really is convenient. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're nicely integrated with the OS. And again, this is, I took it out of the box and I plonked my iPad onto it, but it sticks with magnets. Mm. And I was just curious, like, all right, now I've taken out the box and plonked my iPad on the stand. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah. Well, I'll look inside for the paperwork that tells me how to pair it. No, nope, it's got one of those smart connectors on the back. It's immediately paired. You know, works through the adapter, not a Bluetooth connection. Because I assumed, oh, like all keyboards for MacBook cases, you know, the Logitech ones and yeah, bridge yeah, keyboards yeah. that lots of people rave about. Oh, you know, they're all Bluetooth. This must be Bluetooth. No, it's not. It's got a battery in it. I fiddled about with it earlier because the weight was bugging me. And I realized that I don't think it can be lighter because if it's going to function as a laptop-esque experience with the nice cantilever display, you know, turning, I don't think it can be lighter. This will get lighter as the iPad gets lighter, but this is the same solid base that a laptop needs, you know, that you can use it genuinely on your lap. Just so we know, right? Yeah. I'm with you on that. I know it's a bit weird to have these kind of situations reverse here, right? That is... <laughs> Seventeen hundred and sixty-eight pounds. Okay, that is a twelve-point-nine iPad Pro Space Gray. In case you cared, five hundred twelve. Yeah. Okay, so it's not the cheapest, and it's not the one terabyte. Okay, so five twelve cellular Wi-Fi and cellular. That's fourteen hundred nineteen pounds in the UK. You then add three hundred forty-nine pounds to the key. You're at eighteen, just under eighteen hundred pounds, and that is the one below the top of the range thirteen-inch MacBook. I quibble with your comparison slightly. No, no, I'm with I'm with you. It's just everything's getting so much more. Yeah, the phone, the so every year you get the new phone, and that's yeah. what eleven hundred, twelve hundred pounds. I think the difference here is that I've got iPads that are years and years old. They yeah, last same, and they last same, and they last, same. and they retain a load of value. Try and sell a second-hand Android tablet, and I'm not picking on Android, but try and sell any of them, even the good ones. Nothing. You will get fractions back. Yeah. Whereas, you know, there is a secondary market there. But this device will last four or five years, actually potentially longer than a laptop. Mm. The current Apple laptops, which are a bit of a disappointment, to be honest, it's going to perform. So yes, it's a premium end product. Mm. But I'd also say, for me, this is a very connected device. I buy the Wi-Fi and the cellular. Don't buy tons and tons of memory. Just use a network connection. Yeah, I'm perfectly happy with 64 gig because, you know, I don't need the top of the line. So yeah, it's expensive overall. but also. It's addressing a market where the iPad cost is sunk cost. Everyone's already got the iPad. You're not buying the two of these together first time out. Mm. Well, look, so we've managed to do 10 minutes on me justifying why I bought expensive (laughs) stuff without even trying. So that was exciting. But I really, really surprised how much I like it. I think I'll get one. Yeah. And if I was going to do email, I'd reach for this one. I think as well, because I've got both the 10 and the 12 inch iPad Pros because, you know, just because of reasons. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad I picked the 12.9 to yes. buy the case for. Good. Because it's nicely spaced like a laptop keyboard. There's none of the cramping that you would feel on a smaller device. Love it. Go and buy one. All right. So come back next week when we will have uh, restored ourselves from the mirror universe and you and will stop worrying about how much things cost. And I know. Who are you? We'll <laughs> still be thinking about his love for all things iPad and trying to justify having multiple iPads in the house. And Ewan will also have followed his Pavlovian instincts and just bought what Ben has bought and will be raving about it too. Yeah. Yeah. Tune in next week. I saw it had gone live on the Apple store and I bought it within about 30 minutes. Oh my. It was a no-brainer purchase. And I'm really pleased I did. It's really good. I would get rid of my laptop actually and just have a Mac mini for home if I could probably. It's that good at the moment. Right. We should wrap up. As ever, we'd welcome your feedback and comments. Interested to hear from any other people who've um, got the iPad keyboard or chosen other products. Are you a Surface user? 
how do you feel about transforming devices? Really interested in that one. And also, while we're all in lockdown mode, what are you using for self-improvement? I've been doing some other stuff as well in terms of habit tracking. We'll talk about that later in the season. And um, if you're interested in smart home, because the other thing I've been doing is doing a whole bunch of smart home upgrades, I have a tale of woe to tell you next week. Uh, It hasn't all been entirely smooth sailing, if I'm completely honest. Uh, (laughs) Tune in next week for Ben makes a simple task even more complicated than it already was. Bring it on. 361podcast.com at 361podcast on Twitter. You can find all our contact details on the website to email us or uh, leave a comment under where you read this. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Lots of love. Thank you. As always, thank you for listening, everyone. I'm sorry for what you've had to uh, be subjected to this week. Normal programming will resume when we're no longer in a global pandemic. Happy birthday, Rafe. Oh, yes. And happy birthday to Rafe Blanford. 13 years old tomorrow, isn't it, Rafe? (laughs) Um, Some of those numbers are correct. It's somewhere in an attic. There's a picture of Rafe Blanford getting older, is all I'm saying. So, you're looking well on it. Happy birthday, Rafe Blanford. Thank you. And we will be back soon, possibly next week. We haven't quite decided yet. Who even knows what time is anymore in these days? I haven't left the house in a week. I haven't worn trousers in two. So the podcast will be back soon, probably next week. Bye-bye. Did I tell you I... Um, Here we go. Blanford. I hired a limousine for 300 quid the other day and it didn't come with a driver. All that money and nothing to show for it. Uh, that's actually quite good. Uh, my, um, my overweight parrot died recently. Of course. So weight off my shoulder. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's very good. Okay, come on, let's get this to this intro. Who did it last week? You did, you didn't you? Yeah, I did, yes. Yeah. All right. In one take, in one take. It wasn't one take. It was. I did it twice. But <laughs> one of those was the one take we used. <laughs> no, but both of them were one take. That's a Trumpian-esque redefinition of one take. You know, I didn't mess it up. I'll give it a try. Well volunteered, Ben. See if I can do it in one take. Do you know what you're going to say? Yeah. He's that good. He doesn't need to write it down. Well, let's, let's see. Uh, I stand to foul this up. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around ourselves during lockdown and the new iPad magic keyboard. One take, no script. Suck it. That was good. <laughs> I thought you might crack halfway through. I was going to try and put you off, but I thought, no, no, no. You hoped, you wished. He's doing it in zero takes. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. <laughs>